What's up, everybody? We are back. Welcome to Real Chronicles, brought to you by TheCinematicReal.com. I am your host, David. I am joined with today, Mr. Jack Renault. Thank you for having me, and thank you for allowing us to discuss this movie today, because in terms of comedies, I'll just say, this is, for me, one of the absolute peaks and one that I just can't get enough of, even though... I've been rewatching it constantly for eight years, uh, and I have been very lucky to push this off on you guys as well. So yes, excited yes. to talk about this. And well, coming back for the second time, and the first time in the, for the first time in two Few three weeks. Well, not even he's going to be on for for twice in the next right, like, couple yes. of weeks. Uh, coming from the country of Latvia, Mr. Luke. Hello, happy to be here making my grand return since the It's a Wonderful Life episode, ready to discuss uh, one of my new uh, favorite comedies that Jack introduced to me a few months ago. So Yeah, I, I, I love like having Jack on this podcast this year has been refreshing because it's opened opened me up to things I haven't seen before and just an array of different topics that we wouldn't have discussed without him here. So I'm very grateful for us to be discussing the 90th anniversary of Duck Soup. My first time watching this time around. Uh, This is going to be quite the discussion, especially with my thoughts on it that don't quite measure up to Luke and Jack's. Uh, That was quite the, the... disappointment from jack on uh through chat after my letterbox posting on this uh should be a fun discussion i definitely think so uh but before we get into that a uh, little late on this podcast so apologies uh a little family incident last week uh with uh my mother's complex catching fire uh thank god everything's okay but uh unfortunately we cannot get this to you on time so apologies for that but let's get into some of the news of the week uh we got some trailers over the past two weeks uh, the first one is mostly for Luke and myself. I don't know how Jack is on this franchise, but we got a new Mission Impossible trailer and also a runtime of two hours and 36 minutes. Uh, I'll kick it off with Luke on this trailer. Is it everything you wanted or did you want more? I, I think it was it was never going to live up to that first trailer. That first trailer was so... Because we, we've been hearing about this movie for so long. It's been delayed like... In three different years. Like I said, I've made top 10 lists of my most anticipated. It's been number one three years in a row. So uh, I'm I'm very much waiting for this movie. Uh, This trailer, yeah, not as good as the first one, Mm -hmm. but uh, it teased more action. It teased uh, a very bombastic train sequence. Uh, We got to see a more up-to-date jumping off the cliff scene where they've painted in the the mountain and whatnot. a little bit of a tease towards the plot, but also not really. But uh, and, and you mentioned the runtime. I've heard I've heard those things about the three hours. Of course, I would have liked to see them, but uh, I trust these people. They've been making a better movie ever since three, and this this two part finale it, it should deliver. Like it, it's Cruz. He delivered with Maverick, and him with McQuarrie. You're gonna deliver with these two. Jack, what are your thoughts on the franchise as a whole? I don't think I've ever... We talk about it in the chat a lot, but I don't think you've ever input yeah, too it, much on it. It's one of the ones that I'm 
I definitely like I'm not over the moon for it, but I mean, Tom Cruise like continues to just be like one of the most like you, you see Tom Cruise and it's just kind of like an indicator of like, all right, you're going to have a good time. Like there's definitely like people that like if they're involved with the movie. Jack, your mic. Jack, your mic. Your, your mic, it flew out the window. Jack, your mic. I think, I think <laughs> I'm not, and I'm not editing that out. Can you hear because, me now? Yes, could, l- yeah, let's right. repeat that for I, everybody. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what happened there. Uh, but no, I was gonna say, um, I mean, like the franchise as a whole, I've never been like over the moon on. I know it's one of Luke's, maybe his favorite. I know he loves it, but they're definitely really fun, and especially after seeing Maverick um, in theaters last year, I'm definitely gonna make it more of a point to see these ones in theaters because I've never really, when they have come out, it was like really before I was really all that interested in them. Um, And I mean, each trailer has just gotten me more and more excited um, just like with the practical effects and all of his usual stunts. So I'm definitely excited to check this one out later this summer. Yeah. I uh, like Luke with mission impossible. That was me last year with top gun. I, that was in my top Mm -hmm. 10 most anticipated for two, three years. And uh, this wasn't in my top 10, but I do agree. I think this with Luke in terms of every single entry has gotten better. Uh, I don't know a franchise that really has done that, like an action franchise that has progressively we have gotten better. Because I honestly think if we look at the rank, like I'm sure we'll probably all have rankings after this is all over. I think the first one is kind of mid tier at this point. And I, and I like it. It's one of my favorite Brian De Palma films, but it's very very grounded and mid-tier and, and i've grown and luke may may shun me for this but i've grown to appreciate part two a lot more than i did when i was younger i i will never be in the part two camp i'm sorry yeah no there, I, it, I it's it's still like lower compared to everything else but i've don't hate it as much as i did when i first saw it like i've really hated it at first um and part three is still extremely underrated like philip seymour Hoffman is incredible as the villain yeah. Um, and we're going to get a Helmer comment for that one, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, the next trailer is we got a new Oppenheimer trailer. And I, yeah, I I, I said this. Um, I don't know if it was it was on here. Or I was was it on the Kansas episode that I said that? New Oppenheimer trailer? Yeah. I was it's, been, say, I it's been a bit since we recorded. I, so. I don't remember getting a new one. Okay, great. So my thoughts on the Oppenheimer trailer looks incredible, but I just find it really hilarious. And I've had discussions with um, people like casuals and cinephiles as well that only Christopher Nolan can make a three-hour biopic about the guy that created the atom bomb, and people are considering it a blockbuster. Like that's how the power of Christopher Nolan. Like he's on another level of creating like content that despite the fact that like it's very it's very oscar baity it's being treated as a blockbuster like my main argument with the person i was discussing this with was you put this in november with let's just say danny boyle directing right i would say 75 percent of the people won't give a fuck about this movie um but yeah movie looks great can't wait jack thoughts yeah i mean same thing as always i mean being a history i've all like i've really gravitated towards uh nolan's recent like history movies like uh, dunkirk even like the prestige kind of sent like a period 
setting. Uh, and this is definitely like, like I enjoy World War II and like learning about it and hearing the, um, this is kind of like a story that I've like known, like kind of like the bare bones. So getting more of an in-depth uh, look at it as well as just getting to do more research leading up to it, I'm excited for. Uh, but yeah, that's going to be a fun day. It's actually my brother's birthday, July 21st. So we're going to have a fun five hours planned at the movie theater that day. <laughs> awesome. What are your thoughts, Luke? Uh, I'm firmly in the process of reading the book that the movie is based on. Uh, I haven't gotten to the to the bomb creation stuff yet, but I'm getting there. And uh, Oppenheimer is a very interesting individual, and I think Killian Murphy is going to absolutely kill it. Uh, Christopher Nolan seemingly is a bit of a uh, history buff, like like Jack here, uh, and I think Dunkirk is actually his best film. It's my opinion. number three, so it's still yeah. up there for me. I, I'm no I, hate there. I just there. think it has has the best things that Nolan is best at uh, on full display, and uh, this trailer just increased my excitement even more. Uh, I think it's my number three most anticipated movie of the year, behind uh, Mission Impossible and Dune, because that trailer was even more phenomenal. But uh, yeah, I will be there day one. Team Oppenheimer all day. I don't know if we're going to mention the, the second trailer. Oh, yeah, trailer that's, that's, the, that, yeah. that's absolutely uh, okay. coming next. But I, I'm firmly Team Oppenheimer. I, I will see both, of course. This is for Jack Awards Conversations. Um, just from the trailer, obviously, we don't know. We had no one seen it yet, but it feels very much like a maybe lead nomination morning type of deal. That and yeah. that in the movie we're going to talk about it during Cannes. I think that's kind of like where I am with like that Dune and Killers. I feel are going to fight for leading nomination morning. And so, Killian Murphy, God, I hope he gets nominated. I was going to say I, a- acting is really going to be where I think the is like going to be the difference maker because he could certainly get in in terms of like supporting players. I guess we're yet to see like who mm-hmm. really is like going to be like the standouts because. With a cast like that, you know, it's, it's probably not hard for people to just kind of, and with, you know, like balance out each other and end up with no supportings. But it's definitely going to be uh, one of the big, if not the big tech player of the year. But and again, with, with Nolan... Like Dune, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, like, Dune's going to be a big tech player. Killers of the Flower Moon's probably going to be one, too, just looking at that first trailer and, like, mm-hmm. the cinematography and production design. Um so those texts are going to be a bloodbath this year, I think, no doubt. I agree. And then with Nolan, uh, I don't know if you guys know, and maybe Luke can confirm this, if the book has this, the black and white sequences that you see in the trailer mm-hmm. are uh, first-person POV. So very unique aspect for... I, th- I, th- I think he mentioned, just what I remember, it was that the colors are subjective and yeah. POV, mm-hmm. sort of, and the black and white are like objective. Like the the history kind of stuff, and like the co- I'm, like I'm, the color scenes are more like what, what I like gather is scenes. color everything colors everything before the mm-hmm. the blast, and the black and white is everything after. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I and IMAX all day, and then the last trailer is uh the big what I consider maybe a surprise screenplay nominee on Oscar nomination morning. We have Barbie, uh. This movie looks pretty fucking like incredibly stunning to look at. Like the production design here. Like I know we have Asteroid City, but after the reactions from Cannes, 
I already feel very good with Barbie as a production design nominee and potential winner just from like the, the look of the trailer. Um, we get a little bit more about what the movie actually is. Uh, and it's, pro- it's probably not what a lot of people expected. It's not a quote-unquote fish-out-of-water story that we've seen plenty, plenty of times. It's going to be a little bit different. Um, but the trailer looks great. Uh, we got to do a Lippa song and do a Yeah, the, so- the soundtrack... Uh, the soundtrack lineup dropped, and it's it's kind of a murderer's row, honestly. Like, there's a lot of good artists on there, and yeah, I I mean, yeah, it's gonna be Oppenheimer is gonna do well, but box office wise, I'm gonna be really interested to see the split between uh, I think those two. I think Barbie still probably outperforms just because that's Barbie ma- I... the more the more universal kind of movie, and I think the one and that's it's about half the length. Too. Yeah, that's what yeah, I was that's say. true. That's yeah. true. <laughs> It's a two-factor thing. Well, Luke said that it's, I believe from what I've read, it's under two hours. I think it's 145 or something like that, Mm -hmm. 145, 150, and then we're looking at Oppenheimer at three hours. And two, Oppenheimer has one audience. Barbie has two. Barbie has the moms and daughters and also has the Oppenheimer audience, which is like the general cinephile community. So, uh, yeah, it looks great. Uh, Luke, thoughts? I'll be honest, this trailer didn't do it for me. Oh, no. I've been I don't hearing know. the same online. Like I got a, that's not an unpopular take, yeah. I got a bit of an Elf vibe. I mean, uh, Elf is a great movie, yeah. but it was not quite what I was expecting. But yeah. uh, regardless, I will definitely be there day two. Oppenheimer day one, of course. Uh, uh, Ryan Gosling seems like he's having the, the time of his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Lots of memes on Twitter already, uh, as expected. I think this movie is being marketed in a very TikToky way uh, to the to the younger Gen Z audience, like like Jack and myself. Uh, every, every tweet has 100k likes, uh, so there's going to be a lot of uh, people seeing this movie. I actually have a wager with a friend of the show, uh, JC. Uh, uh, social media knows him as Merc with the movies. We, uh, we were at a screening together and we talked about potential box office and he thought that I was nuts saying that I think Barbie's going to make between 100 and 125 opening weekend. And he was like, oh, it's going to make about 50. And I'm like, ah, that's not making $50 million opening weekend. Absolutely not. I think I think Oppenheimer is going to open at like 75. Yeah. And then yeah. Barbie will take the rest. And there's nothing opening. Uh, there's nothing else. Opening. There's nothing that weekend. Yeah, I was gonna say. There's, how does there's Mission July Impossible. Look? I was gonna say before. Mission Impossible. The week before, which I feel bad. For, I mean, I don't feel bad for Cruz because he just had Top Gun, so whatever. But <laughs> um, they're gonna lose IMAX screens in a week. I think Mission Impossible box office is in trouble. Like, unless it has a substantial long length run like uh, Top Gun, I don't think it's gonna make its money back. Uh, maybe the second one will. But uh, all right, yeah. So those are all the trailers that I wanted to highlight this week. Uh, uh, wait, yeah. Wait, did we cover killers? Oh shit! No, I was gonna say that for can talk. But if you want okay. to talk about it now, then that. Well, I mean, just okay. Yeah. Simply, I was gonna say just simply put. I mean, the man's back. Not like he ever left, but I mean, it. Yeah. I... Still, still cooking masterpieces at what eighty. A little, little more. Like I, I've gone on. He's my second favorite director of all time. Do mm-hmm. we? Can we objectively say he's the greatest of all time in terms of like? Because Hitchcock, 
as he's my favorite of all time. But Hitchcock, towards right. the end, he was making stuff like Torn Curtain, Marnie. Has anyone mm-hmm. substantially had a career like Scorsese, where like at eighty, we're looking masterpieces and still masterpieces? Like maybe because like listen, as much so as I was like, gonna say, Spielberg, Spielberg, we're not at that point yet, and I think he. I think Spielberg might have had the the more consistent career in terms of like hits. Like I think like Martin's or I think Scorsese has like one movie a decade that's like guaranteed top ten of its decade, really, since like the seventies, really, or you can definitely argue, I mean, Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, Goodfellas, The Departed. Um I mean, and then if you, you can get into the Wolf of Wall Street Irishman debate, and... that's a good discussion because that's actually a very good discussion to to have. I mean, I think if we look at the seventies, it's obviously Taxi Driver. If we look at the eighties, for me, and I know for you, it's probably Raging Bull and After Hours in the top ten of the decade. I was gonna say, like After Hours is my favorite, but like I mean, I think it's the if we the, look the at top the top twenty of Raging, the top twenty acting performance in Raging Bull, uh, and just kind of all of. I, I, the eighties, the eighties is honestly maybe his hit or miss Weak, decade. Really, the weakest. I mean, the cult of money, like yeah, two thousand. Uh, also, two thousand is maybe the only time if we look at. I personally still have the Departed and Aviator in there, but it's the first decade that you can maybe really mm-hmm. have a little doubt because Raging Bulls are no doubter for the decade, and then two thousand tens. I mean, for me, it's The Irishman and Wolf. So yeah, yeah. the trailer looks fucking incredible like absolutely incredible and the whole wolves do you see the wolves in this picture thing mm-hmm. i think that's that's a banger of a way to, to end the trailer uh luke did you get a chance to see this trailer i did because i suspected it would come up on the pod so i watched it i watched it a few times but it, and it does look very good uh i will indeed be testing myself if i can last those uh what, three and a half hours yeah Although I did see all the extended Lord of the Rings in theaters uh, last year, so I think I'll be fine. Uh, I think no, it looks right. it looks very good. I'm surprised it is that long. Uh, I looked at the book; it's not even that long. Uh, it's like half of Dune, maybe. I think that's I oh shit. Sure. Okay. Are you hitting um, the book before? I, I I might. It's still a wise ways away, so I have plenty of time to do that. Uh, but awesome. yeah, uh, DiCaprio, De Niro, and uh, Scorsese, that, that's all I need to hear to, to be there. Yeah, and I think this may be uh, three acting nominations for the movie, and we'll talk about that in a little bit with, with Lily Gladstone. Probably has a very strong chance to win supporting actress, uh, even though it's May. I think we can talk that talk about that later. Uh, next bit of news is for all Better Call Saul heads. Um we know how good she is, but I hope other people now know how good she is going to be. Rhea Seahorn has been cast in. Listen, I'm not a big, huge fan of this franchise, but Bad Boys is a huge franchise. So her getting the opportunity to join a cast and others see her, uh, it's a win for me. Uh, I The only reason I added this is just I just want to say Rhea Seahorn is just an incredible actress and deserves much, much, much more praise than she uh has gotten thus far. I'm looking at you, Emmys. You got one more shot, man. <laughs> one more shot. I don't think it's happening, but one more shot. Well, 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 well. Yeah, I, was I think gonna you... say Sarah's gone. Sarah's in lead. Oh, now. that's a good point. 
Uh, I mean, unless, like, if they want to go full on succession and give J. Cameron Smith or J. Smith Cameron the award. Um, I don't I don't want to think about the it looks, I was going to say, it looks a little open right now. So there's a chance. Crossing fingers. Uh, Luke, are you a Bad Boys fan? Uh, I'm, I'm an enjoyer of the Bad Boys pictures. Uh, uh, they're not my favorite Michael Bay movies, but I did enjoy the third one for how it just... I don't I don't know what the word is. It just went it just went for it goofy, but it worked in a way. Uh, and the fourth one, yeah, I think they should have saved the title, Bad Boys for Life, for the fourth movie. Yeah, maybe they, they can change. <laughs> I maybe I they concur. Can change it to Bad Boys Forever and make it work like that. But uh, someone like Rhea Seahorn making a blockbuster debut of sorts. Yeah, that, that only makes me more excited for it. Yeah, same here. Uh, this next bit of news is quick, but I just wanted to. I hope we all agree on this. I hate this idea. I loathe this idea. I hate. I don't like the director. I can't stand the actor. So Will Ferrell's in talks to play John Madden in David O. Russell's Madden. I think this is the new the new thing. Like we're doing social networks we're, we're doing, every year. We're doing brands. Yeah. Yeah. We've moved um, to brand movies. I, I listen. Like I'm. Uh, David O. Russell is a piece of shit human being, and I can appreciate like American Hustle and. Um, to a lesser extent, Silver Linings Playbook, but this idea is, this idea is okay. This casting choice is fucking awful. I I hate Will Ferrell. I I like two movies in his career, two, where he's literally the star, and that's Elf and Anchorman. Get I, get him off my fucking screen. I can't stand him. Uh, Jack, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna. Like, we, we've seen it happen before of people, you know, like, dissing comedy actors for getting a role, and then it turns out that they end up killing said role. But in this case, I'm, I, I'll, need, I'll need more before I can say whether I'm confirmed. Just, like, from a, just like from what we have, I'm, I'm with you. I can't say that was, like, the best casting choice, but, I mean, one trailer is all it takes for me to change my mind about something like this, so I could easily be swayed. But Will Ferrell starring biopic is definitely not something that I was expecting on my 2023 bingo card. That's for Agreed. Sure. Luke, what are your thoughts? Uh, I'm definitely the wrong person to ask. Uh, I've only known John Madden as the guy on the video game. Uh, <laughs> well, the great news is this is about the video game, so you're, you're good. good. And sometimes <laughs> you refer to Jack as your John Madden to Pat something. Pat yeah. Yeah. So who, uh, the question I, is, who gets to play Pat Summerall in the movie? Listen, man. John C. Riley. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get another one of those. Uh, what's uh, Sherlock? What is it? I forgot that movie that Holmes came out. Holmes, Holmes and, and Watson. Watson. Yeah. So terrible. Um, and then the last bit of news is Cans. Cans is over. Um, Cans is always very interesting because, like, I am one of those that, I love tweeting my first reaction, whether I end up being in the right side of the conversation or the wrong side of the conversation. But the Cannes reactions are always the funniest for me because everything is the greatest movie ever made that comes out of Cannes. Um, some of the things that I, I wasn't going to highlight everything, but some of the things that I wanted to highlight was the Indiana Jones first reactions with... I don't think it's as bad as 50% on Rotten Tomatoes, especially directed for James Mangold. What I personally think this is, is Disney... F this up by going to Cannes. This is not right. a Cannes movie. That's, that's, yeah, this is a very much like I can see like Luke, myself, and you really enjoying some of the action sequences, knowing the CGI of it all. 
Mm-hmm. That's not something Can's gonna like. Like Top Gun right. is different because Top Gun is a lot of practical effects in terms of just them flying the the jets throughout the film. Um, so the fifty percent I think will probably go up by the time the movie comes out. Uh, mm-hmm. It's very disappointing that you know the Disney went in this direction, especially since this is Ford's last go around. I kind of right, and I'm also not a Crystal Skull hater. I think it's not great but it's not yes. it's not Neither the am I. like the alien stuff is weird but it's not i i i don't think it's as bad as people make it out to be it's perfectly like it's the temple of doom type of vibe it's very weird and different um while crusade and raiders kind of fall in the same scope so that's kind of where i'm at on that uh were you surprised by the reactions to that jack Kind of, but also, like, I mean, you kind of touched on that. Like, I mean, these people, like, you go to, like, you go to Cannes and you see, like, you know, like, Parasite and all that kind of stuff. And then you get thrown Indiana Jones 5. Yeah. And so it's, it's just, like, is that, like, the movie slash the audience that, like, you want to get your, like, first reactions out of? Mm-hmm. Like, if, it's, a, it's a gamble for sure. And, like, Blockbuster's premiering at uh, Cannes is definitely, like, nothing new, but... Yeah, kind of like what you said. I mean, like, the case of Top Gun Maverick, I think that I could just kind of, just going by the trailers, I think that was maybe more of, like, just, like, the grandeur cinematic experience where, like, anybody could just, like, kind of get their breath taken away. But, like, I, I, I want to know what the Indiana Jones fans have to say yeah, I about agree. this movie before I, like, really kind of, like, begin to make my decisions. I'm going to see it regardless just because... Oh, yeah, I'm I, so excited I, for it. I, I adore this franchise, and I'm excited to see Harrison Ford get that one last run. But, uh, yeah, I'm not... I can't say I'm surprised that it came this way. Uh, if we could get if we could get it better than Crystal Skull, I, I'm not... I, too, am not a hater, but... If we could be above Crystal Skull but under Temple of Doom, I will be okay. Yeah, because I, I am a very big defender of Temple of Doom. I yeah, love I, Temple of Doom. Some stuff hasn't aged well, but... No, no, it hasn't. Can, or you can make the argument that that might have the best set pieces in the franchise. I agree. In terms of scenes. Yeah, uh, Luke, what surprised, not surprised, and just like the overall reactions to that? I was slightly crushed because I think looking at the summer blockbusters and the ones that we're really like expecting and hoping to be good. I think Indy was the one that was most likely to to not be. Uh, but then I thought mm, it's it's can like maybe they're just not not the right audience because I told my dad like oh because he's quite excited for it. Uh, oh it can't, it got a bad reception from can. It's like oh that's that's good now the rest of us can enjoy it or whatever. Um, I agree with him. <laughs> Because yeah. I, I was thinking like a while ago, like you, you never see Marvel movies at film festivals, and maybe now, now, now we know why. Is that, <laughs> yeah. is that... Joker, Joker, like in terms of comic book films, or it was a very different type of comic book film to hit a festival. Because that's the only reason I think we ever got got that to begin with. Yeah, yeah, but Mar- Marvel could never make it. No, no, that, no, that's no. a very. Very different conversation, but uh, I will still be uh, there day one. I'm gonna rewatch them all because it's the last one. Of course, you have to. Uh, Raiders is one of my all-time favorite movies. Uh, I just, ho- I just hope it's it's satisfying. If they kill him, that's fine. That that seems to be the trend nowadays. I think to kill your 
protagonist after many many entries yeah raiders is my number three spielberg i'm seeing it on the big screen for the first time next week so i'm i'm hoping well not hoping but maybe we'll see if it overleaps leaps over jurassic park as my number two uh but it's a that's another movie i'm looking to see this year on the big screen too is jurassic park i've never i never saw it on the big screen when it when it came out so uh but yeah the other let me see any other things obviously be killers of the flower moon we'll touch on in a second but we had neon winning the palm for the fourth year in a row which is incredible with anatomy of a fall our our buddy hunter who is going to report when he comes back on the pod, uh, did enjoy it. Uh, I thought it was a German or French film. It's actually uh, 60% in English. So we don't, I don't see an international play there. Uh, Do we of- just go on and write that in for Best Picture? <laughs> yes, see, like The last point. like three Palme d'Or winners have been in Best Picture, is it? It, can't, like it can't be. Listen, I, I am not huge on Triangle of Sadness. It, it, that's the the marker. If it's better than that, then sure, I'll put it in there. <laughs> um, Zone of Interest, Jonathan Glazer's next movie. I am a big fan of Under the Skin, so very excited for that one. Uh, let me see anything. Oh, Elemental premiered yesterday to really solid reactions. Okay. And, That's good. Uh, guess the last movie we can talk about is that Martin Scorsese movie, or did I miss anything? I can't think of anything off the top, so we'll just jump to it. Uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, incredible first reaction. Certainly at 96% currently, I believe, on Ryan Tomatoes. Uh, just, uh, it got an eight-minute standing ovation, at, but everything gets standing ovations at, at Cannes. Yeah. So, um, five is the standard. You, you get five just for showing up. And ex- then, <laughs> like, ex- the idol got five, I think. And then... oh, so bad. I can't. I can't wait to destroy that show when I watch it. Uh, uh yeah. So I confirmed ninety six percent on Ryan Tomatoes with fifty three reviews, with one negative review at at the moment. Um, yeah. I mean, everything that I've read, it looks like this is this sprinkles in uh, Scorsese's love of history with the crime drama aspect of it. So I, from what I've read, I believe it's split into two. And then the second half is kind of a procedural procedural crime drama, similar to things that he's done in the past. Uh, from what I've read, uh, De Niro could win supporting actor. That's how good he is. And he's an absolute piece of shit. And that's what I was Ooh. reading in the reviews. Uh, Leo, a lot of people, and this is very high bar, saying it's Leo's best performance of his career. That is a bull. I've, and it's not a one-person thing. I've seen about... Six or seven people say that it's his best performance of his career, which is, like I said, a lot. Uh, and then Lily Gladstone is pretty much the giant standout of the three in terms of uh, she has. It's not a showy performance, but more uh, quiet, subtle. There's a lot of uh, mannerisms and facial performance that guide her through the movie. Uh I see a world where I talked about this with a with a friend of mine about her winning supporting actress. The narrative is there, and that's really much all you need. Like she'd be, I believe she'd be the first Native American to win the Oscar, right, Jack? I believe so. If that be the case, nothing else immediately comes to mind. And we, if you look at it, it would be a great parallel to nineteen seventy. Uh, right. to, with what happened with um, after their 
Marlon Brando won the Oscar for for actor. So I'm very excited for Killers. Nothing sh- nothing shocking. More Scorsese with another masterpiece. Uh, did anything surprise you from the reactions, Jack? No, no, nothing really surprised me. Uh, glad it's being so highly praised. I've you know had a, it's with Scorsese. You know, it's kind of like it's going to be praised. It's just a matter of how much it's going to be praised. And people, you know, are saying this is. Among his very best, which you know, that's a high bar. That's a, that's that's a tall order to fill, um, given how when we talked about this earlier, how many masterpieces he's made um, throughout his career. But he's just able to keep finding stories that he's able to emotionally attach himself to, and is always able to just make something that's really personal. And it seems like this is a really effective movie, which. Um, it's not something you really kind of like consider with Scorsese a lot of the times. Like I never really think about like the emotion behind his movies, you know, but it seems like a lot of people have just been like taken aback by this movie and it just like floored them. So October can't come sooner. Agreed. And then Luke mentioned he's going to give this a shot in theaters or on Apple. No, definitely in theaters. I, yeah. I have to experience that. Uh, you know, we don't know how many more Scorsese yeah. movies we're gonna have. He had that mm-hmm. uh, broke great, my that, heart, that great but sad, sad uh, interview uh, where he said he still wants to tell stories, but and he understands what Akira Kurosawa said that one time. So mm. I will, I'll try to make sure to watch some more Scorsese films uh, before I venture into the theater in October. I got flack for being sad about it. They're like, oh, old man. Someone's like, old man says he doesn't have much time. I'm like, dude, don't be an asshole. It's fucking Martin. It's Martin. It's Martin fucking Scorsese. Like, I didn't get a chance. Like, I wasn't alive during the end of Hitchcock, but I'd probably be miserable too, knowing that we're running out of time with Hitchcock. I mean, it's that's Mm -hmm. that's how I feel with Scorsese. It's the greatest living director. So, uh, yeah, that's all I have for news let's get into some of the things we watch this week i have a lot so i'm not i'll try to make this quicker when so i'll go last jack what do you got outside of a show that we'll probably talk about with luke in a moment yes uh two shows we'll actually talk about with luke uh because he is an avid watcher of the other current hbo titan uh haven't had a haven't been watching too much recently been busy with the new zelda game uh but I had did rewatch some other Marx Brothers movies leading up to this, uh, Horse Feathers, Monkey Business, and even um, A Day at the Races, which was later with MGM, which they're all great. It's it's just I, I it's so weird to just like kind of well I'll obviously get more into it later, but just the sheer kind of like chaos of it all for movies that are like 90, 90 years old is just so funny to me. Um, and then uh, I watched Demons, which we will be covering on Chop Talk. Woohoo! Liked it. Definitely really liked it. Uh, very much just kind of there for the whole concept of it all. It wasn't anything, you know, like the, there were there were hardly any like, you know, prominent characters or like incredible writing and stuff like that. But it's just like it has this idea, it executes the idea, and it's just very very fun through and through like i wrote in my notes for that as long as you give me a batshit crazy finale in these types of movies i'm sold right. and then we're gonna talk about that on chop talk um mm-hmm. all right anything else 
Uh, and then I'm saving the, I'm saving the rest of it for uh, when you guys talk. All right, uh, Luke, do you have anything you want to highlight? Uh, my movie habits fluctuate throughout the year, and with the finals uh, approaching, I think my first one's on Thursday, I believe. Uh, I've been doing more rewatches just while doing assignments, something I can throw on, and uh, uh, so, and I have been preparing for an upcoming uh, Chronicles episode by going through the ah uh, yes through my, through, through my favored Pixar films. Uh, the ranking shifts a little bit each time, uh, but I've enjoyed that very much, and. I said I wasn't going to do it. I was going to hold off until part two, which is now part three. I did rewatch a, a large chunk of the Fast franchise. Um, yeah, solid as always. Uh, I will never stop rewatching those films. I've started uh, my Nolan rewatch, or at least part of it, skipping over the, the Batman uh, trilogy, and uh, just a couple of random rewatches, and of course the, the shows that we we'll touch on and ted lasso which ends in a few days nice um i also saw i'll start with that one i saw all the fast and furious movies before fast x um the fast x was good well no it wasn't good it was fun there's there's no good in, at all in that movie but it, it it's fun jason momoa is crazy um i don't think we're gonna get a third one because of the box office um that is true I think it only opened domestically to under seventy million. It still grossed three hundred worldwide, but very uh, underwhelming domestic performance for that movie. I took, I took, uh, I had my press screening, and then I saw, I took the wife to see it, and a uh, prime afternoon Saturday for that movie, I would say there was like twenty people in the theater. So that that was bad. Uh, so yeah, I saw a few things here. Um, I saw. For getting ready for the new Transformers movie, I watched all the Transformers movies. I don't know why I did that to myself, but I did. Uh, Bumblebee and the first Transformers are the only ones I like in the entire franchise. Everything else is absolute garbage. So no animated movie? No, I've actually never seen that. What? Yeah, yeah. That, 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 that's, that's a, that definitely is some nostalgia for my on my end. Um, I watched... I went, I've been watching a lot of horror lately. I watched... Uh, Freeway with Reese Witherspoon and Kiefer Sutherland. It's essentially Red Little Red Riding Hood, but told through a horror lens of a man kidnapping a a woman and then framing her for murder when she's trying to get to her grandma's house. Pretty wild shit. Very underrated. Uh, From Beyond, eighties horror classic. Practical effects are splendid. Uh, The Changeling finally saw that for the first time. Uh, It's really solid. I George C. Scott. Better performance here than in fucking Patton. I'll say I'll say that <laughs> for sure. Um, I saw The Birds Part Two. <laughs> Let me say this, and I know you probably think I'm crazy, Jack. I think that rather than remaking Hitchcock, we should just make batshit crazy sequels to his movies. Vertigo Two, <laughs> because they could be. Pro- this is a terrible movie. But at least you, could, I had fun with it because it wasn't trying to just replicate something Hitchcock did. It was just trying to be right. ridiculous. Uh, I had fun with the birds too. I'm not. I'm absolutely not going to lie. I had a fun time with it. Um, let me see. I'm white it's man. Not a part three is there? No, if, and okay. unfortunately, okay. or part two. Although the ending of the movie is literally the same as the original, they just choose to stop. <laughs> uh, but like, it's super gory, like insanely fucking gory. What what year is this? Nineteen ninety. 
Okay, okay. So it was before the Psycho remake. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I saw the Batmans. Uh, I see the Flash in a few days, so just getting up to there. Uh, saw Past Lives, which is the best film of the year so far. Like, not even close. Didn't expect me to be emotionally wrecked by that, but I was. Uh, saw the Mutilator. Shout out! I finally got to see the Mutilator after all these years. Uh, it, think uh, jo- on Joe Bob's uh, show. It is everything I want. It has one of the most a kill I've never heard or or seen in an '80s horror movie. I'm surprised I had never heard about it. Incredibly gory kill. It got an X rating, I believe, because of this kill. Yeah, it's it's pretty insane. Um, saw Blood Diner, which is you know it's, it was okay. I saw Slaughter High, which I absolutely loved. Then Demons <laughs> One and Two, uh, Waxwork and Waxwork Two. I think these would be a Jack Jack Renault special. They take place in a wax museum. Say the say the title again. Waxwork and Waxwork Two. A lot, uh, that's the one with the uh, Dana Ashbrook from Twin Peaks. Oh right 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 right. Um. Saw the Little Mermaid, uh, not as bad as I expected it to be. One of the better live action adaptations. Uh, saw Tron and Tron. I started watching Tron Legacy. Uh, Luke, if you've never seen Tron Legacy, check check it out. It's Joe, Joseph Kaczynski. Yeah, Sorry, yeah, I think you'd like. But I've seen Oblivion, and I didn't love that. Uh, but it, so. This is much better than than Oblivion. Okay. Yeah, 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 much much better. Uh, this is for Jack. You're a gamer. This is a movie from the 90s. I love bad video game movies from the 90s. I saw Double Dragon. Have you ever seen that movie? No. I don't, I feel like I've heard of it, though. It's so bad, man. I have such a good time with it. It's so terrible. Um, I saw some... I saw the Army Hammer documentary, thanks to the new mm. Max thing. And then, uh, finally, I saw on 35mm Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me and... Let me tell you, watching David Lynch on the big screen is a different type of animal, my friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could definitely see that being the case. Was I know they're doing like a whole series. Are you only doing Firewalk with me? I wanted to do Mulholland, but I don't think I'm going to be able to. Uh, the, mm. the the times that it's playing, it's, I don't, don't think I'm going to be able to make it. Uh, but just even seeing this on 35 was... It, like, I, I not even joking, I was very... I was speaking like hyperbole when i'm saying it was very hypnotic as soon as the credits to fire walk with me started everyone's just like whoosh, got yeah. quiet and then as soon as a film by david lynch pops up everyone clapped and then stopped and then that's pretty much it until james gets on the screen and ah. and he got booed which is pretty Ooh. lol i gotta say jack i don't really think he's terrible in this movie <laughs> like as a character oh, james james oh, yeah he, he, he's how much, much does he have to do He's pretty. He's there. He has like the same amount that he does in the show. Like, yeah. But I think he's much more tolerable in the movie than he is on the show. You kind yeah. of. I kind of feel. I mean, the movie eviscerates you with like how depressing it is. With yeah. Like, I, it's one of the most depressing movies I think I've ever seen. But like, again, I say it, Shirley. Just man. I see. I keep. I keep getting surprised that like it's not your number one Lynch. I think it's I, there. I, I, I know. I, I think know it's that... there. After okay, seeing it in theaters, I know that Twin Peaks, like the show, is still like your favorite thing he ever did. But I think we're finally there. I was just like, even by I caught certain things in terms that I wish we could redo the podcast from last year, just mm-hmm. the things that I found, just like the whole angel thing that I really didn't 
really catch too much. I, I paid attention to it, but it really understand. And now I get the end so much more of why she's smiling and laughing at the end is because yeah. she thinks before she dies, the angel leaves her. And at the end, you see the angel above her when she's finally at peace. And, you know, after she dies, it's like, man, I don't know how anyone booed this. I can't. This movie is fucking incredible. Um, and then uh, Platonic, I... I'm on episode four, Barry. I'm sorry. I'm. I, I will get there before tomorrow, uh, and then just like Chef's Kiss, Succession. Yeah, I mean, well, Barry. Yeah, we are currently recording this as we are about twelve hours out from both shows ending, and it has been a brutal week for TV. I mean, these two are ending. Yellow Jackets just ended. Ted Lasso's ending. So. I'm behind on Ted Lasso, Luke. Is Ted Lasso ending? Just from where you've seen, it, it it seems like it. There was something towards the end okay. of the, the last episode that, yeah, it looks like it is ending. Uh, I haven't enjoyed this season as much as mm-hmm. maybe some others. There have been some lackluster episodes, I thought, but the last one was uh, very good. So, I think think they'll end it on a high. Uh, yeah, yeah, kind of on the same boat. Like I got Apple was did this differently they didn't give me all the screening all the screeners they did the first four and they've been doing it week by week so after the there was an episode that was a very much a filler episode i haven't gone back to it so i'm like four behind um i don't like the fact that they're an hour a lot of episodes are an hour long this season i thought the yeah, thir- 30 like, minutes why is perfect. it longer than the succession episode but... yeah it felt perfect the way it was but succession is on the other hand is pretty perfect I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done anything. I, I don't know what we're ending. I'll say that. Some people have been like, uh, "How do you guys feel about?" There have been comments about like <clears throat> this kind of feeling almost premature, and that they're kind of trying to tie up a lot of stuff really fast. Some people are saying that. I personally don't feel that way. I, I think everything kind of, yeah. Like, uh, was this the? full-on ending that they had planned i don't know as in like what was their initial plan to stop at four because you know that was kind of a very sudden announcement of succession is ending with season four when it happens so i don't think so but i also think i think i told you guys while i enjoy season three it's the worst of the four for me because i felt like season three until the finale felt very much like we're going back in circles through the same i think the last three i think like starting from like too much birthday and then you go to um, the finale you're like both episodes are in europe with the the wedding so you have that that second to last episode is kendall talking with logan and i mean that whole sequence is just unreal and then you have the finale with um those two those two brought it back for me personally i just felt like the show was starting to go in the Kendall hates Logan. Kendall tries to screw Logan. Kendall forgives Logan. We're back to square right. one. So, like, the, I, I, I feel very. While it's sad, I am the way I feel about this is the way I felt about Breaking Bad. Go out. Go out when you're hot. Exactly. Like, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I feel like if this show continues, we're going to be in the rinse and repeat. And I think Definitely. we're this season has felt very fresh. Like, it felt like every episode meant something. I really haven't... Like, while every episode wasn't a 10 out of 10, but, like, if I felt for the most part we've had three all-timers in this Yeah, I was going to say, like, if, 
I was recently doing my like top 10 succession episodes or something just because we're getting to that point. And I was like, I need to do some editing. I think three out of my top, top five are from this season. So yeah, they uh, before, before we get to Luke on what we think the end will be, like I've seen the Greg stuff and I started to hate it after realizing how much time has passed on the show, not in real life. It's only been a year and a half. So I find it hard to believe that we start with this guy that just is trying to weave his way into the family to ultimately becoming the ultimate successor. I would, I don't think I would like that as an ending. Uh, I'll go to Luke here. I, I definitely wouldn't mind it. Like people made the brand star comparison, but yeah. I think that that's definitely untrue. I think think Greg would feel a lot more earned than Bran. Uh, Although I, I do think I don't think it there if they would do Greg, it would be like one of the most probably the most controversial endings of all time. People will be talking about it for like nonstop. But I, I don't think it's going to be Greg. I think it'll be I don't think it'll be any of the kids, though. I yeah. that's where I'm at. I don't think it's any of them. or we could have because I've I've compared this last couple of episodes in the season to Godfather and Godfather Two. Mm-hmm. It could be Kendall, but it could be Kendall like Michael. Kendall ends at the top, but ends with like nothing, nothing at nothing. the same time. Yeah. yeah. So we could have like yeah, he finally got what he wanted, but he loses his family. He already lost his you know his kids. So it could be Godfather Two ish or Michael loses literally everything after he kills fredo so that could be that could be a apropos ending for a show like this and the the greg thing i mean that that too is something that like i mean i see the path for it so do i that's what scares me do 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 i think it's like the best outcome no but i think it also like makes sense for the show like for them to just like for the most outlandish like kind of ending like that still kind of like you know feels real of like people being in like positions of power who maybe have not earned it or should be in that position so i don't think it's entirely like a far-fetched or like it wouldn't work because i think still in terms of like the show's satire qualities i still think that would kind of work but we also started with the show started with kendall it's going to end with kendall in some way i just don't know how and the whole mankin of it all we still haven't gotten I don't think he wins the election. I just want to. I haven't thought he won the election since that episode. I think they. Do you think there's going to be a change in mm-hmm. this final episode? Okay. Yeah, I do. I. Yeah, I. I can't. That this show I, has never thrown a MacGuffin out there for, without kind of just it being a MacGuffin. I think everything that's been thrown out outside of Kendall's, even Ken's murder, like at the be for in the first or not Ken's murder, but Ken's manslaughter thing mm-hmm. in the beginning of at the end of season one i mean i still i haven't ruled that out to be brought up tonight yeah, yeah. no that's that's the number for one me, thing on my for mind for me it's that and Chekhov's dick pics i think i yep, think those yep. that's those yeah, are still if, if, if roman I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the roman the cancel roman party start you tonight. think so i just feel like get less and while I do agree with the whole dick pic thing, like I felt last week was so brilliant because it's where he started in the episode to where he ended. It was like literally the right. rise and fall it, of Roman. But even like, I mean, before, I mean, the episode prior, he was like, I mean, like we throughout the whole season, I mean, like he's done some pretty like bad things, but we've usually just like, you know, kind of like laughed it off. But like in the election episode, I mean, he was just like 
kind of just a straight up asshole for the entire episode. Um, and and if you think about it, it, it's not really unlike Roman. It's who no, he yeah, is. It, it's very on character for him. But like, it's the first time that we were kind of shown that side without any sort of like comedic relief. Yes. Not to mention the whole realism and inspiration behind yeah, the sequence. Yeah. So it, uh, <laughs> it brought a lot of traumatic 2016 vibes to me. I was like, I was watching that episode, and I'm like man this is like jesse armstrong hates america you can tell Mm -hmm. um and that episode kind of channels that uh but yeah tonight it ends i i i will ask for you guys because you guys uh, luke you're a barrier guy too right yeah we're i'll let you guys cook without spoiling too much for me we're do you think it's going to be a happy ending or a sad ending i'll let you guys cook uh, I don't think there's a, there's a way it is a happy ending. The, the whole season hasn't been happy like, yeah, at all. Yeah, like this, like there's one thing that, like the tone of the show, I I can't think of another show whose tone has changed. Like it's still, like it's not that it's like lost its way as a comedy because there are still like some flat out, like out loud laughter moments in this new season. But like it is also without question the darkest it's been. I mean... Like, you've already seen some episodes, and, like, the more goes, like, Bill Hader's kind of channeling, like, his David Lynch, like, with some of these episodes, and I've said it, like, every episode, but, like, he just continues to further his case for why he's gonna make an incredible film director, and I'm I'm really sad that Succession is ending, but I'm happy that Barry's ending, because I'm excited to see that next chapter for Hader and where he goes from here. I mean, you guys got the idol. We got the idol in a week, so... <laughs> Yeah, who said poor, poor who in said the show. <laughs> it, I can't. I, I do want to mention one yeah, more thing that I, I watched. It's I watched the, this morning just for this episode. I watched the pilot of a show. Yes, 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 yes. I, I, forgot. I wanted to bring that up. So go ahead, go ahead. Yes, I, I did watch the first episode of Entourage. Yes, let's go. So Hel- Helmer will have to get on that. Uh, it's only the pilot. But I did enjoy it. Oh, it, it gets uh, better, my friend. It gets better. A, a brief. It's only one episode, but a brief rundown of my thoughts on the characters. Uh, Johnny Drama, I enjoy the most. Uh, Turtle is a little annoying. Uh, <laughs> and then the uh, Vince and Eric, I'm neutral on so far. Okay, so you're right on brand with Johnny. I'm doing my rewatch right now, and I think next year is an anniversary, so I may do a rewatch for the for a pod. Um, you're right on brand with Johnny. I think he's going to be your favorite. Ari is Ari is. Oh, yeah. It reminds me of Michael Scott in the first couple of episodes of The Office. By the time you get to season two, Ari is fucking cooking. Like he won four straight Emmys. So you, you'll see. You'll see why uh, coming up. Uh, yeah, the show gets better as it progresses. Season one through five are close to perfect. Uh, season six is okay. Season seven is terrible, and then season eight only has eight episodes, uh, and it goes out okay. And then the movie's fun. The movie is an extended episode, so hopefully you enjoy as we go through. But yeah, I'm sh- I I can't wait for like you to keep going, Jack to keep going, and Helmer because for Hunter to praise this show and it's not a Hunter right. show at all. I think you guys <laughs> will have a great time. Um, all right, awesome. So that wraps everything up this week. Let's get into why we're here. 90th anniversary of Duck Soup. Um, a movie I had never seen before, but Jack had been really wanting to cover and me to see. So we're doing it here. Uh, I'm going to, I guess I'll be the Debbie Downer and go first. 
Uh, so this is my first time watching Duck Soup. And my first viewing experience was, it was fine, but I didn't love the movie. Uh, my immediate thoughts were, um, like, the first time I saw any of the Marx Brothers was Harpo on an episode of I Love Lucy in season four. Uh, and they hit, did the whole mirror gimmick that he'd do in the movie. First thing I thought, Lucy and Harpo did it better. Immediately, I'm, I'm, sorry, but you're, um, I'm sorry, you're wrong. Absolutely <laughs> not. Immediately came to mind. I was the, like, the, 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 I watched, I watched that clip. It, like they did good. The the, the laugh track A kind of took me out of it. B just, I don't know, just like the dead silence. Not a laugh track, my friend. That was a studio audience. Well, well, you know, like the laughing in the background. Uh, but like that, and then I don't know. Also, having Harpo being the one to mimic, I think, is like just. No, unreal, Lucy. But... Lucy was the one that mimicked. No, in, in the movie. In the movie. Oh, okay, like, okay. Harpo's being the one who has to like match Groucho, which is like his thing, and probably it... the best example of what he does best. I think. Like, I still went positive on it. There's more that I liked than I didn't like. I'm at three and a half out of five. But I will say, I think what ruined it for me coming in was I'm a huge, around that era, I'm a huge Abbott and Costello fan. And really love the dynamic that they have in terms of their comedy. And, of course, I Love Lucy is my favorite show of all time. Um, and Lucille Ball's comedy is kind of where I'm at with terms of physical comedy. So... The the aspect of those three, I think it's what took a little bit away from the movie. I still think it's a very good movie. I just, I gotta say, I don't know, I don't get the AFI top one hundred. That I will say, I don't get, and I think it'll be off next time we run this AFI top one hundred. It went up fifteen spots. Oh, it went up. It, it went up fifteen spots between the oh, first shit. list and the then second I stand list. Corrected. So maybe it, it won't it, be. It, it could drop. It could, I think it could definitely drop, but I. It's like top five on their comedy list, so I think like if those all stay on, I think Duck Soup does as well. Okay. Uh, all right. So that's my first thoughts, Jack. Yeah. Uh, yeah. On the complete other end of the thing, this <laughs> this might be my favorite comedy ever. Uh, it's like this. Some like it hot. Airplane are I think kind of the three fighting it out up there. Two of which are essentially like the textbooks of dad jokes to me. Um. Is also in my top 15 of all time. Uh, the Marx Brothers, um, they've been in my life since elementary school. Uh, my uncle actually gave me a box set of their five Paramount films on DVD. Um, and I've, def I've definitely grown into them since then. But Harpo, I think, it's so, um, Harpo is so awesome. Just like, I think just, I think he's a universal like comedian almost like I loved him when I was eight and I'm sure I'm going to love him when I'm 88, just not having to need any, like, you know, like it wasn't all, I didn't pick up on any of the word stuff really until later on, but I mean, Harpo seeing that as a kid just really made an impression. Um, but duck soup didn't really like have that explosion until I rewatched it at 13. And that was when I, understood like humor and the jokes that they were making and then as i've watched it since i it just continues to get better and better it has maybe one of the highest joke to runtime ratios that i can think of like airplane is the other one that i think really goes at it for like most laughs per minute um and luke's gonna talk kind of touch on this too but i think like something that really just 
still helps it resonate today is just kind of internet humor and just the idea of shit posting and how they were doing it like 90 years earlier. And just kind of also the idea of a 90 year old comedy still being funny. Like there are movies that are hardly like 15 years old, whose like entire concepts have like already aged poorly, but for like 90 years old, not only as a comedy, but also just as kind of a skewer at uh, political figures too in the way it satirizes that I think just still really works for me. All right. And Luke. Yeah. So the Marx brothers was a group that I wasn't familiar with. I'd heard the name, but never seen anything from them. So after Jack and I did a, a discord watch along of King Kong, he asked me if I, I was doing anything. So he's, he suggested a viewing of duck soup it was only an hour and four minutes long or so. So I thought, eh, why not? Uh, and I was absolutely blown away by how hil- how hilarious it was. Jack can attest to how, how much I was laughing throughout. Uh, uh, multiple times I had to lean over my table just to, just to recover. Um, on rewatch, maybe they're not as funny, but I think that's the that's the that's the destiny of all comedies that they're just not quite as funny as they were the first time. Uh, but I was amazed by like how well the jokes hold up, uh, how much they align with my own sense of humor. Uh, and it, it always kept surprising me. Like if my expectations were never let them know your next move is exactly what uh, these guys were up to. And uh, yeah, they just kept surpassing every joke and every double meaning. I guess we'll, we'll discuss the, the jokes in a bit. But uh, yeah, I was I was blown away. Jack, Jack in the test. Alrighty, uh, so to get into the production of the movie, the Mark's previous film, one that Jack mentioned. But, 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 can I, before you do that, can yeah. I cook for like five on the Marx Brothers themselves? Just yeah, yeah, go ahead. Okay. go ahead. So the Marx Brothers performed together from 1905 to 1949. Uh, they started in vaudeville, moved eventually to Hollywood. Uh, their first film was made in 1929, and they made 13 films together only five of which feature the four Marx Brothers um, following Duck Soup. Zeppo actually retired from the group and went on to become a theatrical agent. Um, <clears throat> they were born in New York. Uh, their family was heavily involved in the arts, specifically their mother, Minnie. They were born Leonard, Adolf, Julius, and Herbert. Um, Leonard, Leonard, Chico, Adolf, Harpo, Julius, uh, Groucho, and Herbert Zeppo. And they all received their po- their uh, names over one poker game. Uh, <laughs> Chico, uh, nickname for Chick Chaser. Um, Harpo, I don't think I really need to explain that. He plays the harp. Groucho, uh, there's been some conflicting reports, but the common belief is that he was the moody one, and so hence the name. There were two other brothers, too. Uh, they had an older brother who died uh, in infancy, and a fifth brother, uh, Milton, who went by Gummo, actually performed with them on vaudeville. But he was drafted into World War One and never rejoined the group after. Uh, and just some of the personalities of these two, I mean, just kind of check out. Chico was a huge gambler. Uh, he apparently, like, never really had a lot of money, despite killing it on Broadway and uh, the movies. Uh, there was one story of him being like such a bad gambler that he lost his pants in a game of poker, then went and stole money from his father, proceeded to win his pants back, returned the money, and was just good from there. <laughs> uh, 
Harpo was actually self-taught when it came to the harp, uh, and he actually was not playing it right for a number of years, and nobody really wanted to correct him, because they were just like, I don't need to correct what sounds good. <laughs> um, Groucho was the only of the brothers who actually enjoyed going to school. Uh, he was a bookworm, uh, and so he just like really amped up his knowledge, and that definitely comes to show when looking at his... Uh, comedy style and just the delivery of everything weirdly enough some people actually say that zeppo was the funniest brother despite the fact that he always played the straight the man. straight the straight man in those movies uh which is interesting the one thing that it seems is that they were always that is that they were funnier on stage than movies but they were funnier in person than on stage so like I, I, I've always seen the Marx Brothers, but it's always made me sad that like I will never like get to fully, like kind of see like the peak of their powers. Like, can you imagine a poker game with these guys? That would be fun. <laughs> like them just, just like they would probably just like kill us and beat us and just like force us to lose by making us laugh. Um, and I, I mentioned earlier they spent twenty five years in vaudeville before their first movie. Um, they actually got screwed by the great depression uh groucho and harpo lost pretty much everything uh chico actually like i said he was already broke from all his gambling so he didn't have much money uh and they were in holly they, they were in hollywood making um their movies and the contracts were having issues leading up to the production of duck soup but that all smoothed over once um their father passed away and so that kind of had them hit the ground running and clear things with paramount opening the door for this movie is that everything yeah and that leads into the uh, production of duck soup awesome great great stuff there jack i appreciate you running through the career much when we watched duck soup i got a brief history but no, you know, I, I, I went and did reading. I was like, the production for this movie, like, there's not, like, a ton of notes. So I was like, I definitely want some, like, some general Marx Brothers stuff because they're a really interesting. Uh, they're a really interesting group of people. And, like, some of the stuff, like, completely makes sense, but others is, like, really, really shocking. Um, Yeah, I wanted to co-sign that, the whole production aspect of it all. There wasn't as much as I expected on this movie with how uh a clay it is. It is. Yeah. yeah so the marx brothers previous film horse feathers which you talked about before jack has had been paramount's highest grossing film of 1932 encouraged by the success the studio suggested suggested on august 2nd 1932 that they rush out a follow-up already at the at this early stage the story provisionally ent- uh titled ooh la la um was set in a mythical kingdom which would have been interesting to see the Mark Brothers in that type of yeah. vibe. Yeah, like put them in any situation. It's just one of the things where like, like they they kind of do that later where it's like a lot of like set pieces, like a night at the opera, a day at the races, a night in Casablanca, where they kind of just put them in these scenarios, and it's like, all right, let's just unleash chaos to like this theater or this racetrack and just see what happens. The L.A. Times reported on August 11th, 1932, that production would commence five in five weeks with famed Ernest Le, Lubish directing. 
Um, that would have been interesting. <laughs> that's for damn sure. Um, uh, that, that, and you, you know who was? Uh, do you know who was uh, who was uh, slated to produce? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he actually like went through with producing, but I know early, early on, Herman J. Mankiewicz, the writer. Of oh Citizen yeah, yep. I, I did see that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that would have been something. Uh, this was a turbulent time for the Marx Brothers career. The Great Depression was raging and Paramount Pictures was attempting to stave off bankruptcy. Uh, reorganization of the studio brought fears that money uh, due to the Marx Brothers would actually never be paid. As a result, the brothers threatened to leave Paramount and form their own company, Marx Brothers Incorporated. Uh, their first planned independent production was a film adaptation of the Pulitzer Prize winning Broadway musical of The I Sing with Norman MacLeod leaving Paramount to direct. Uh, during late 1932 and early 33, Groucho and Chico were also working on Flywheel, Shyster, and Flywheel. Wait, Flywheel, Shyster, and Flywheel, a radio show written by Nat Curran and Arthur Sheikman. There was even at one time talk of casting the two as the radio characters uh, for the new film, an idea that was eventually used by Perrin in the 1941 Marx Brothers movies, The Big Store. By October 1932, Arthur Sheikman, Harry Ruby, and Burt Kalmer began writing a screenplay for their next Paramount film, which is now called firecrackers and comes in the whole Herman Mankiewicz of it all where he was Herman Mankiewicz was to supervise production beginning in January 33 by December 32 firecrackers had become cracked ice Uh, Grover Jones was also reported to have contributed the first draft by Ruby and Calmer in the Marx Brothers Encyclopedia Glenn Mitchell says the first script's content is difficult to determine Um, I gotta say the name of this movie (laughs) <laughs> kind of went through like a journey of its own. Oh yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I, I I've done so many like I've read so many accounts as to like why it's named that, and I've always just kind of been like yeah. But my I've always just gone by like following suit of the previous named Animal Crackers, Horse Feathers, Monkey Business. You know, just carrying on the tradition. But there's a lot of like reasonings behind why this movie might have been named duck soup and then to finish off on the production in january 33 uh ruby calmer and jones submitted to paramount their second temporary script for cracked ice and paramount announced the shooting would commence on february 15th this script shows that the basic plot of duck soup was in place in february paramount announced that the title had been changed to grasshoppers because animal stories are so popular and filming was set back to february 20th however in may 11th on May 11, 1933, the Marx Brothers' father, Sam Frenchy Marx, died in L.A., and shortly afterward, a contract dispute with the Mar- Paramount was settled. The New York Post reported on May 17th that the brothers would make a new comedy for Paramount called Duck Soup. Lee McCrary was set for direction, and three days later, uh, the New York Sun reported that Duck Soup would start filming in June. Duck, Sco- Duck Soup's script was completed on July 11th, and away we went. Did I miss anything? No, I think I think you hit all of the early titles. That was one of the things I noticed. Yeah. Like how many working titles this movie had, and I'm glad they landed on Duck Soup. Uh, it's the best of uh, that bunch, I'll say that. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely the most memorable one. Uh, yeah, everything else I'll save till later. Alrighty. Uh, the movie was released on November 17, 1933. I didn't get a box office for this. There was no box office to be found. Although it was, 
uh, what I, the only thing I got was I don't know if you got anything different, Jack. Uh, Duck Soup was not a box office failure, although it did not do as well as Horse Feathers. It was the sixth highest grossing film of thirty three, uh, according to the Marx Brothers Encyclopedia. Uh, the film was though a box office disappointment for Paramount. That's all I have in the box office here. Yeah, I got the uh, I got the highest I got the sixth highest grossing of that year too. I want to just want to check what number one is real quick, just to be sure. Has to be Kong, surely. Yeah, I no think... way. It's not even on the list. How? Kong's not on the list. <laughs> no. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like it, it, you go to like the night like the nineteen thirty three in film page, yeah. like on Wikipedia. Like one of the first things it mentions is like King Kong. So it's like. They didn't know what they had yet, I guess. <laughs> um, oh, alrighty. And then Trophy Room. This movie got nil at the Oscars. Was that I mean, sh- shocking yeah. to you? Not really. It, 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 it got its retrospective praise. I mean, AFI. Yep, and then showered them. Not and, only this, but them as a whole. Yep, they that, have... that's kind of where, when it comes to like Trophy Room aspect, that's kind of where. The praise comes. So in 1990, the film was uh, selected for preservation. Uh, and then in 2000, readers of Total Film Magazine voted Duck Soup 29th greatest comedy of all time. It's currently 91% certified in RT. And then AFI, uh, 100 Years, 100 Movies, number 85. What is it now? 60. 60. 100 Years... AFI's 100 Years, 100 Laughs, number five. What is it now? Still number five? It's, it's still five, but I do want to add that the Marx Brothers have five movies on that list. It's the highest of it's the highest of the bunch, but they have Duck Soup at five, A Night at the Opera at 12, A Day at the Races at 59, Horse Feathers at 65, and Monkey Business at 73. Uh, and then just one thing I wanted to add about the National Film Registry it was inducted in its second year of existence oh, along shoot. the likes okay. of The Godfather, It's a Wonderful Life, Fantasia, and Raging Bull. So You just opened up a can that, of worms that annoys me. That that being one of the second that being like among like the second wave of movies to be inducted makes me happy. How is like, the Godfather not in the first wave? It's kind of where I'm starting. Ah, well, I mean you look at that first wave and it's like the Wizard of Oz, Sunset Boulevard, Some okay, Like It Hot, right, Singing yeah. in the Rain. So, so they like, took care a... of the Golden Age, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, like that was like, yeah, you got your Hitchcocks in there. I think, I think he actually had, th- he might have had his big three in there. I know Psycho and Vertigo were both in there, probably Rear Window. Alrighty, uh, moving on to the Maestro's Corner. Now I don't really want to spend too much time here, but um, I'll start with Jack. What are your thoughts on just a musical raw? Because there's a lot of non-original music used in the yeah, movie. That... That's the first thing I have written. Um, not a not a ton of original music. Uh, the the vocal songs are definitely like the big highlights. Uh, specifically, Groucho's number early on, the laws of his administration, and just kind of sets himself up as like a joke of a politician. But you know that's the goal. And then the obvious highlight, I think, without question, is the grand number in the courtroom of this country's going to war, which just, I mean, you get the Marx brothers playing the xylophone on soldier's helmets. You get just everybody doing like the smallest yet weirdest thing. Like there's like one shot of like, they're whispering to each other, like this country's going to war. And you could see Groucho like leaning forward, but like has his leg up over the table. Um, 
just like the little tiny moments like that is just like what really seals the movie for me and like that's the big thing with comedies and me like the rewatch value because jokes definitely don't play up well over rewatches and stuff but in the case of like this and airplane there's just so much in these movies that i go back and i catch stuff i catch stuff that i think is hilarious that i never caught prior um and then yeah i mean most of the instrumental stuff is uh, pulled from other music so you like you've got some shopping in there and the use of stars and stripes forever when harpo is trying to turn off the stereo i think was also a really great poll uh and that scene as a whole is also just really funny nice and then luke any thoughts on the music i enjoyed the musical numbers uh jack pretty much hit everything on the uh, hit the nail on the coffin on pretty much everything uh i too enjoy the the opening song uh, where they introduce uh rufus t firefly but he's not there he, he, <laughs> he, he rolls out of bed goes down the fire fireman's pole and then the, he, he doesn't even walk in through the to the right entrance uh of course his uh his his song where he like introduces his laws and and of course the the numerous songs throughout uh like like we mentioned they were a music uh group before they were a comedy group and uh yeah it's nice that they uh, include that part of their origin in the such a comedy nice all righty so let's get to what's age the best um i don't have that much here but uh political satires as a whole i think i've aged yep. really well yep. um Shout out to Jack here. This is especially for you. Zeppo as a poker player. Woo! <laughs> um, Rufus Firefly as a name. Yep. <laughs> um, they, they love... That's the thing with Groucho in these movies. They always give him like long names with that middle initial. So in A Day at the Races, he is... Uh, what is it? Or like Otis T. Hackenbush. Otis T. Hackenbush. Or something like that. So he always gets these really long names, but Rufus T. Firefly is just <laughs> and that's then, that's a name for sure. And the last two, you know, the mirror sequence is an all timer, and then the the war sequence finale. Yes, yes. All right, what do you got, Jack? Uh, I too had satires. Uh, Luke, Luke mentioned this already. Groucho showing up late is just such a coming in the back way, pulling on the guys like sleeve and maybe like you expecting somebody and then proceeding to join in by holding up his cigar with the uh saber bridge um the runtime not only with this but most of their movies i think just you're in and you're out you're just laughing your ass off for an hour and that's it um groucho you you already said the ending but groucho's five outfits specifically mm -hmm. how he changes outfits like every minute uh that oh, that's something that I one of the things that I didn't pick up on when I was like young and watching these, but then I go back and watch it, and it's just so stupid but hilarious. Um, you mentioned the mirror sequence. However, that is not my favorite sequence in the movie. I, as good as that is, it's got to be the lemonade stand for me, mm. and just Chico and Harpo grilling the fucking lemonade salesman uh and i, I i've got to say um 
we can kind of ha- I can kind of just ask this now really just like who are your favorite mark like who's your favorite marks brother Harpo Harpo yeah I gotta say, I, I, I'm like I love them all so much but Chico has really like on these recent watches Chico's been really standing out to me just because I feel like he has maybe the hardest job because he has to go toe to toe with Groucho's wordplay. And then he also has to play off of Harpo's physicality because you, you've seen more of their movies, Dave. You know that those two are kind of like a combo and that Chico's usually the interpreter of whatever Harpo is spitting. Uh, and then uh, and then the other two things, shit posting. I mean, just kind of the whole idea of absurdist humor. I think the fact that like 90 years and there's still like jokes that play well and still feel like relevant just in terms of like the design and kind of structure of it still works. And then probably one of the funniest lines in the movie, but still one that just like rings sadly true. Groucho Marx saying, remember while you're out there risking your life and limb through shot and shell, we'll be in here thinking what a sucker you are. (laughs) All right. And what do you got, Luke? Uh, I just have the jokes because I, I did think that a movie from 1933 would make me laugh as as much as it did. Uh, just to note down a few of my uh, favorites, I think Jack might remember the first scene where we meet uh, Chico and uh, Harpo when they're talking to the guy. He's like, "We went to the baseball game. He no show. He fooled us." <laughs> that, that that one, I I I couldn't hold it together the first time I saw that. Uh, and then another one is like the rule of three in comedy. Or uh, yes, once yes. Harpo takes off with the with the, with the b- motorbike, the sidecar stays. Then he does it again, and then the third time, Rufus T. Firefly sits on the motorbike. Harpo's in the sidecar, and Harpo takes off in the sidecar. That's completely subverted expectations. Um, any sort of double meaning a word or phrase can have, they just roll with it. Uh, Harpo. He's a Looney Tunes character. Uh, Jack Jack mentioned to me that he has a, a sort of ranking of most powerful characters. Uh, do you want to? Yeah. So me and my friend, we have this kind of joke list between ourselves of just who we think are like the most powerful people, whether fictional or real, just kind of like based on our own logic of like, could this person like beat this person? And for our money, we we think Harpo Marx might be the most powerful being that we've ever witnessed. Just because <laughs> I've I've never seen somebody one up Harpo Marx. I mean, he, the lemonade guy thought he did it by flipping his peanut stand, but man turns around, turns back around, and what do you know? But Harpo's whole legs are in his lemonade. So. If you fuck with the Marx Brothers, they will come for you, and Harpo specifically. He's also, I, I, I kind of thought about this rewatching, but kind of Mary Poppins vibes, too. I mean, mm. you'll see it in other movies, but like there's a scene in Horse Feathers where he's just some random guy comes up to him on the street. On the street, He's like, hey, bud, can you help me out? I want to get a cup of coffee. And then Harpo, in his big trench coat, pulls out a cup of coffee on the plate, steaming hot just gives it to him and is just like see ya <laughs> just walks away so yeah if you 
he, he will always be able to surprise you just watching these movies. Uh, something else I just, I kind of should have brought this up earlier, but you kind of brought this up when you said he was like a character, but something that's really interesting to me is how a lot of the early comedians of like this era were characters and not like the real people. Cause like the the Marx Brothers you see on in on film are not like the Marx Brothers. Like the Groucho stash is paint, Harpo wears a wig, um, and then like Charlie Chaplin, for example. Like everybody knows the Tramp. Like nobody thinks about Charlie Chaplin specifically, um, or it's not actually him, but he's playing a character, and that's what everybody knows. Um, so that was something else that I found interesting. Nice. And then what's age the worst? I think we'll probably will agree on all this. Uh, there's not much in terms of the quality of the film. Uh, just the, while there's no blackface in the movie, the racist undertones are pretty substantial. Um, even down to like the Southern accent in the Southern accent in the, uh, and a parody of like kind of racist minstrel shows towards the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Outside of that, I mean, it was of the time, so there's no forgiving that. But yeah. um, in terms of the quality of the movie, I, this is actually one that I actually, even jokingly, I couldn't even really find anything outside of this. Do you have anything? Yeah, I mean, like, that's it. And, like, I kind of talked about it earlier, but, like, there are movies and, like, shows whose, like, entire kind of, like, idea and concept have, like, not aged well, but, like... For a 90-year-old movie, and maybe only, like, a handful of jokes have, like, aged poorly, that's pretty impressive, honestly. Like, there, I, I could maybe only count, like, the number of, like, the jokes that have, like, aged poorly due to, like, you know, PC and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe on just, like, one hand. Like, there's not a lot. Yeah, I agree. So... Luke, do you have anything? Uh, nothing substantial. I think you guys pretty much covered it. Alrighty, and then our categories here. Jack... I actually don't think this it's kind of impossible to recast this so for Joe for um we'll start with actually no let's do Joe Spinell what do you got for Joe Spinell do you have anything here um well actually there are a couple people that I mean I think of that like if I see the name and I think of them I'm gonna think of them from this movie but uh Lewis Calhern who plays uh, Ambassador Trentino he was actually in Hitchcock's Notorious uh so that's like the big he's also in high society um so seeing him in those movies it's i'm always like oh that's ambassador trentino from duck soup and uh the lemonade salesman was also in um the 1930s a star is born as well as uh gene kelly and frank sinatra's uh anchors away so uh, th- these these movies are definitely kind of weird because like you know like the that guys are a bit more like kind of more obscure and not like a ton to pull from but it's always cool when i can kind of go back and see like some of the connect the dots since like the studio system and these people were in like yeah five six movies a year so like there's bound to be something that like you recognize one of these people from for sure uh yeah i actually i'm with you because of the era that this movie came out with it was actually a little bit difficult to just pick a that guy mm-hmm. Um, I suspect you don't have anyone here, right, Luke? Uh, no, you're gonna have to invite me on to another episode of, <laughs> of, a, of, a, of, a, of a more modern movie because everyone I've seen in this movie have not seen anywhere else. Even mm-hmm. though 1933 is slowly becoming one of the best years for movies, <laughs> with The Invisible Man and King Kong included. And then, 
I this one there would be no one to recast. So that the Al Martino miscast award is kind of you're either replacing yeah. the Marx Brothers and that's not happening. So and I, I, I we're going to talk more about this person for best supporting player. But like the one person who like you maybe could consider recasting, I think it's just such a big part of the Marx Brothers as a whole. And in a way, this person is sort of the fifth Marx brother. Yeah, I so. concur. Uh all right, and then sixth man of the film, best supporting player. Go ahead, Jack. Margaret Dumont. It's it's Margaret Dumont. She's in. She's starred in seven films with the Marx Brothers. Has the same job in all of them, but having to take Groucho Marx seriously, man. Yeah. That that's a that's a. You do a good job if you have to do that, and I I mean they worked together like all throughout their lives and. It was really sad. I went back and watched the clip of um, Groucho Marx receiving an honorary Oscar in the mid-70s. Sadly, it was after Chico and Harpo had passed, uh, as well as Margaret Dumont. And Groucho said, like almost with tears in his eyes, he was like, I I wish Harpo and Chico were here, and I wish Margaret Dumont were here. So just the whole... Just like how much they love each other and how good they do together um i think is just really uh like profound and i do think she is like the fifth marks brother and so i guess always does good with groucho so i have nothing to add there because you've you nailed it uh luke do you have anyone else different here uh is it is this the dion waiters category pretty much yeah, pretty much yeah okay. yeah then then and then i have one edgar kennedy as <laughs> yeah, <I'm> <laughs> placer. yeah. Because he he gets absolutely bullied by Harpo, and it's just a joy to watch, and he he sells it brilliantly. He he tries to one-up him, but you can't one-up Harpo Marx. He will just, he will pull out anything out of his coat, and he will will destroy you. And Uh, having to listen to Chico, too, I mean, (laughs) now how am I going to find out what I want to find out if he doesn't find out what I got to find out? Like, (laughs) will you quit annoying me? I don't. I don't blame him. <laughs> he, he did good in his two scenes. My next question is: Does anyone have anyone else but the entire Marx Brothers as the MVP of the films? Yeah, and I, I, I can't pick. I mean, it's obviously not Zeppo, and like he, he leaves after this movie when the Marx Brothers make their switch to MGM. He does his own thing, so they start pretty much outsourcing their own straight men from there. Um, and they're fine, but I just like when it's all in the family. And Zeppo just, I think, really knows how to play off of his brothers. And even in, like, Animal Crackers, like, there are some, like, chuckle-worthy moments he has. Um, so I think this being, like, their final movie at Paramount all together before they move to MGM. And by moving to MGM, the movies are... The movies become less chaotic when they move like there's more structure to them there's like legit musical numbers Mm -hmm. so it's definitely like a different era but in terms of like the sheer chaos and just anarchy that they bring this is just the peak of their powers and uh the freedom that they have all righty and then luke do you have anyone outside the marx brothers i do not i think uh everyone is bringing their a game uh, I've only seen two Marx Brothers movies, uh, this and, what was it, Monkey Business? Yep, yep. Yeah, and this one was better, uh, and they everyone's just 
firing on all cylinders awesome. for the whole movie. Speaking of peak, Jack, peaks and valleys. Um, not much here on my end, not even jokingly. Uh, is this the peak for satire? Political satires. Let's just leave it there. Yeah. Because okay. for me, top, it's top, for top me. Three. All right. For me, it's not. I'll say that. Okay. It's top a, three. I think. I hopefully yours is in this top three. Um, Duck Soup. Okay. Doctor Strange Love. Okay. The Great Dictator. Yep, that's my one. Great Dictator. Okay. Okay. Great Dictator is my one. I was um, gonna, I, dictator might be better. Chaplin's but, just I, like. But, Performance-wise, Chaplin's just like another level in, in Dictator. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that that might win the political satire thing. Um, I do think this is this movie's funnier than anything Charlie Chaplin did. I still love Charlie Chaplin, but granted, it's spoken comedy versus silent comedy, so it is apples and oranges. But, I mean, the Charlie Chaplin... Harpo Marks box off would be something to see, seeing those two go at each other in a silent movie. Um, this next one is interesting. Is this the peak for brothers? <laughs> Are we talking about brothers on film? Brothers on film, like legit making, brothers making film. Yes. Correct. Um, <clears throat> let, let, let's see. Coen brothers. And I'm I'm talking like making working on the same movies. So like okay. the scar the Skarsgård brothers like haven't really worked together. So I can't Sa- really count them. Safdie's direct. The Afflicks. The Afflicks is probably the. I can't even say the closest because when they've been together, Ben was so superior to Casey. Mm-hmm. So it's never really they've never, never really linked equals. up at their peak of their powers per se. Sure. That's a tough one. I, I think it's yes. Yeah, I mean, if, if we want to talk about acting, then I, I don't think there's anyone on screen who made, uh, who I think worked as well, like not only as like a family, but just kind of like as a whole unit, because they all kind of had their own things and just had this well-oiled machine going for the, nearly forty years. And this last one that I have is a good one. Uh, just to discuss, is this the peak of titles not having anything to do with the premise <laughs> of the movie? What, what are what are the other ones that's up there for you? Uh, I can't even think of one at the moment. So <laughs> I think that, this that is the it. point of the title yeah. to try and give you something about the movie. So I mean, I mean, we do see ducks in a pot of soup at the beginning of the that's movie. That's about so it. It's completely unrelated. Um. Do you can you think of anything? Titles that have nothing to do with the movie. It's, it's, I, I, that would be a that would have to be a Google search. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I can't think of anything. <laughs> um, and that's all I got. Do you have anything, Jack? Um, well, I well, I'm not asking this. Well, this is just a fact. This is the peak of the Marx Brothers. Uh, <laughs> From what I've I seen, that, absolutely agree. Yeah, yeah, and I think. I, I, I don't think anything else would really top it. Maybe horse feathers. Maybe it's just you work at a college and it's all set at a college. Um, and who wouldn't want to see the Marx Brothers go back to university? <laughs> um, I think, is this the peak of dad jokes? Absolutely not. What, what do you think? It, like, what movie do you think? Is it Airplane? Oh, 
Oh man, airplanes it's fucking it's slap, either, man. It's either that or two. And I think it's either I think that it's airplane. That Airplane's so funny. It's so I, funny. I do think it might be airplane because I mean just the whole the doc, doctor, what is it? Hospital. What is it? It's a big building with patients, but that's not important right now. I think just that whole kind of setup and just going back to it is there. But I do think it's those two. All right. Um, and then, yeah, we pretty much touched on the other stuff. And then, Luke, do you have anything here? Um, maybe not a peak, but I think without this physical comedy, might without the Marx Brothers as a whole, physical comedy might not be mm-hmm. like the the great yeah. thing it is like to me mr bean is still like the peak of physical comedy but i think there are certain influences that the the marx brothers may have had on like a like the comedy as a genre in general you can see the the foundations of, of various gags visual gags uh, being set in stone here me and jack talked about this during our watch like maybe like a like a monty python could we draw some similarities there uh so yeah, just a, a, maybe a peak for influential comedy. Yeah, for me, maybe. like the physical comedy, it's Lucille Ball. Like, and then uh, I don't think no one handles physical comedy better than her. But yeah, Marx Brothers probably be up there as well. Uh, Valley, I mean, I I don't know because the Mar- you, can, this is... you you can say spoken comedy. Yeah, like, I mean, who who who? I, I can't think at of that time. Yeah, pri- I was gonna. I can't think of anyone who came prior that like. They kind of invent, like, I feel like they kind of invented, like, sarcasm for film and, like, wit, just, like, the whole kind of wordplay of everything. Um, and then, obviously, I mean, satires, like, I'm sure there were some prior, but, like, every single one that we've discussed, The Great Dictator, Dr. Strangelove, they all came uh, after it. And, I mean, like, the Marx Brothers have had such, like, a weird kind of reach, like, just in terms of, like, who all they've influenced. Like, they've even influenced the Beatles. Like, when they made their movies, apparently, like, they saw just kind of, like, the randomness and surrealism of the Marx Brothers and found that as an influence. Um, Okay. Or, Or even Queen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They named two of their albums after their movies, A Night at the Opera and A Day at the Races. Uh, spe- oh, I forgot this in what's age the best there's a line in uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade that you guys will probably appreciate more and more it's like right after Indy and Indy Senior are in the uh, they're in the castle and they're like oh yeah you have the Grail Diary right he's like uh, like you don't have it and he's like I should have left it with the Marx Brothers <laughs> um, and then yeah I mean I don't have anything else Luke do you have anything here uh no, just a few jokes written right. down that I enjoyed. All righty. You have to watch the movie for that. For sure. All right. <laughs> and then to finish up, not that many facts, but I'll just run through some of these quick. Uh, Benito Mussolini banned the film from Italy. <laughs> El Big lols there uh, because he thought it was a direct attack of him. When the news of, of this reached the Marx Brothers, they were ecstatic. Uh, like you, Jack mentioned, uh, final film for Zeppo. Uh, number three, when asked what the political significance of the film, Groucho Marx reportedly said, what significance? We were just j- four Jews trying to get a laugh. <laughs> um, one of the few films where Harper Marx does not perform a harp solo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned this many times. In 1955, Harper Marx reenacted the mirror gag opposite Lucia Ball in season four of I Love Lucy. I mentioned this sequence in I Love Lucy is better than in the movie. Uh 
Number six, to help sell the film uh, to theater exhibitors, the Paramount Press Department featured a number of contests to get the word out about the newest Marx Brothers Laugh Fest. In addition, to name the four Marx sisters, there were also a proposed duck hunting contest. That's wild, right? I know that one. (laughs) Um, And then um, last two, one of over 700 Paramount Productions filmed between 1929 and 1949, which were sold to MCA Universal in 1958 for television distribution and have been owned and controlled by MCA ever since. It's the earliest documented telecast took place without fanfare in Asheville, North Carolina, Friday, April 3rd, 1959. A few months went by. It was next aired on Grand Rapids in September 1959. On Wood and Toledo in November 1959, on WTOL in November 1959 as well. Eventually, the word got out and it began to pick up steam. It was first televised in Wichita in 1960, Indianapolis 19 May 1960, Milwaukee July 1960, and so on and so forth until it finally started receiving physical media releases later on. So it took a little bit of time for the movie to pick up steam uh and that's all i have did i miss anything jack that you wanted to add shortly before uh the movie premiered um there is a city in new york uh fredonia but it's spelled f-r-e-d-o-n-i-a and in the movie it's fredonia with an extra e and the city complained about the name uh and having it the additional e what do you think the marx brothers response might have been I don't know. What do you got? Change, change the name of your town. It's hurting our picture. <laughs> uh, yeah, and and then the Benito Mussolini thing. I mean, like that was these the biggest guys, LOL like, yeah, of like, it all. Like it's not co- like it's not an act. Like these guys are really just like shit posters in real life. Like they heard that like they were pissing off Mussolini, and they were just like, "Let's go!" Shout out uh, to shout out to Luke's, I guess, team scoring a goal. Latvia won third place over the USA just now. Oh, good. Splendid. Splendid, very, very uh, splendid way to end. Take, take the L. Take the L, US. Oh, my God. Oh, man. A, a perfect way to end, like Jesse Armstrong liked it. The USA takes an L. <laughs> <laughs> and that wraps everything up for this week. This was a really fun episode, guys. Uh, Luke, you'll be back in a few weeks to Pixar draft. I think that's going to be the most competitive draft we've ever had because there's going to be many more people than we usually do have on a draft so that should be a a delightful honestly non-competitive right where no one's gonna get mad no one's gonna get sniped that's gonna be just an, a tons of fun draft all right so we'll be back i'm not sure if we'll be back next week depending on the my born day the wife may be taking me out so um we will be back at least within the next week or two when we do the Pixar draft, Superman in June. So that should be a fun, fun month. Uh, Jack, tell everyone where they can find you. Yeah, uh, you can find me on Letterboxd. You can search my name, Jack Renault or JW Renault 2. Uh, you can see all of us over on League of Cinephiles. Uh, we're wrapping up our singles tournament here. We have only a few more matches left. Uh, and we have a lot of exciting gameplay coming up here soon. And Luke, thank you once again. I know you're getting ready for the draft and for Pixar. Uh, where can they everyone find you? Very much so. It should be a great episode. You can find me on Luke underscore reviews on Instagram, Luke reviews on YouTube. Maybe this, when the summer comes, I can produce some more content. But otherwise, you can also find me on the League of Cinephiles. But I will see you in the 
on the Pixar draft. Awesome. You can find me at the cinematicreel.com on Cinematic Reel on Instagram. And you can also find my work on Rotten Tomatoes and Letterboxd as well. So until next time, see you at the movies, kids. <laughs>